With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to a special episode of Misery Hunters in the lead-up to the 17th of March and the 10th anniversary of our League Cup win. This week, I'm joined by Sam Smith. Hello. Andrew Christie. All right. And the new, officially best-looking Misery Hunter, Stevie Thompson. How's it going? Hi, very well, thanks. How are you doing, guys? Not Good. bad, not bad. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Not not terrified at all about getting the guy <laughs> that scored in the semi-final and the final on to ask him how he's so good. I mean, I between the four of us, we've got a fair amount of goals, eh? There's <laughs> hundreds, <laughs> potentially, eh? <laughs> Some of us might be kind of take most of the weight of that one, but I Um Probably the best place to start, Stevie, is at the, is at the start of year. You've spoken about being at the, the 87 Cup final as a as a nine-year-old and following the club and, and kind of ending up there um when when you were a fan at that time when you were at that final could you get a sense that these things didn't roll around that often uh well obviously i've not got massive amounts of memory of it because i was so young and i think i was actually my first St. Midland game that i went to so that was probably the start for me um in terms of being a St. Mirren fan i always remember when i was younger having St. Mirren posters on my wall um and scarves and the strips uh and then as you get a bit older you've got uh, Cindy Crawford the St Mirren team and then <laughs> <laughs> the posters on your wall change um but uh yeah after that obviously a lot of people know that I lived in the, the same street as Barry Lovetti so um Barry was a big influence on me growing up and we used to play football pretty much every day after school uh, out in the park with a park right behind us where we lived in Houston so um, when Barry started getting into uh, running about the first team at quite a young age then 
my my interest grew a lot more in terms of going to games, uh, and I'd go to a lot more games. Um, so you know, I'd always been a Sitman fan, but I wouldn't say I was actively going to games between the age of kind of nine and fourteen, probably maybe thirteen. But then when Barry started getting in about the first team, then I'd go along quite often uh, to Love Street, which was uh, I, I loved Love Street. I thought it was an amazing stadium. I really yeah. did. Yeah, even playing in it for Dundee United when I first started breaking in to Dundee United's first team we played against St Mern, uh I just thought it was brilliant and I had a couple of other things there like my Paisley and District team uh, through the schools won uh, the Scottish um, District final it was at um, Love Street uh, I remember playing that game it was amazing we won it 4-1 I managed to get a goal but it was uh a brilliant experience for me at age 15. So um, lots of ties in. The, the, the 87 final, uh, I remember being terrified by the, the noise when we scored and kind of the wave of supporters kind of behind me. I was there with my uncle, um, but obviously at that age, I just went straight home. So I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't patients <laughs> that were going on in and around Paisley. Um, but, you know, you can as a sitting on supporter, you realise these things don't come around very often. Um, so it was a it was a massive occasion, and obviously then to be part of the next massive occasion is what we're talking about. Uh, as a sitting on fan, to play a part in it. I mean, what are we now? Ten years on, it still seems a wee bit surreal. I mean, I I don't sit and think about it often, but when when it does come up in things like this, or when. Once a year it pops up and somebody puts it on Instagram or it's on Facebook or something, then you you sit and you go, fucking hell, man, yeah, that was, uh, I can't, you know, still can't believe it happened, really. So uh, an amazing experience and um, I was lucky to, throughout my career, have a lot of highlights, win a lot of things, um, represent my country, but to win the Cup with St Myrne, uh, especially so late on in my career when you're probably thinking to yourself everything that I had achieved in my career up until that point I, I came to St Myrna, you know right I'm you know I'm never going to have a chance to win another trophy certainly not going to happen at St Myrna. and for it to happen uh, was just surreal and the way it happened and the run I suppose we'll, we'll chat about now I mean yeah you know you talk about your your career has taken you from Dundee to Wales by way of Glasgow and Burnley. Was the hope always you to finish at St. Mum? Yeah, it was. I mean, um, when we were at Burnley, uh, obviously we get promoted to the Premiership, but we were relegated, and then the next season I signed an extension. At that point in time, Hibs and I think St. Johnston, and there was a couple of clubs in England interested in me as well but our, we'd bought a house the house that we're in just now uh, up in uh, in Houston so we the kids were getting Grace and my daughter was getting to uh, kind of primary school age so we were thinking right we need to get up the road and you know it's always been in the back of my mind I'd love to go to St Mum to finish my career um, so kind of yeah didn't make it happen, but put the wheels in motion to make it happen. Um, and then, obviously, myself and Tilly pretty much signed the same day. Uh, and that was the kind of start of it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind. 
right throughout my career that I wanted to come and, and finish my career uh, at St Mern. Not just because it only takes me to Ralston from here, but <laughs> uh, obviously having been born in uh, Paisley and been brought up as a St Mern supporter then to to get the chance to play for them, um, I just couldn't turn it down. I, I actually, I remember that the, obviously the day you signed, you and Gary Teal and Danny Lennon done the signing, didn't you, son? And JD and Paisley. We were in the Paisley Centre, weren't we? Uh, I, I remember that. Uh, I also uh, said to I, my dad that day when you signed that uh, I didn't understand why we were signing a guy that was your age and that you would uh, <laughs> said that you wouldn't be that good, which my dad absolutely gutted me for every year up until the point on, of your last game where I was nearly in tears when you were doing the lap on up at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was. I, I think there's there is ageism in football. I think um, you know when your you know when your time is up. And for me, that was probably I probably stayed at St. Mary's season too many when we get relegated from the Premier League to the Championship. I maybe shouldn't have stayed that season. I don't know. Um, I didn't feel physically. I'd had a really bad groin injury when Tommy Craig got the job after Danny left in pre-season that season when we were still in the Premier League. Uh, I ripped my groin and had to have surgery on it. And I think when you're getting older as well as a professional athlete, to recover from a serious injury like that, uh, a tendon injury, it was difficult. I was never back to being how I felt I could operate at a full level. And of course, you're in a changing room and I was, what, 36, 37. So you're double the age of the likes of Lewis Morgan or, you know, you're double these guys' age and you just you just know. Um, and it's a sad thing, really, actually, you know, knowing in the back of your mind that all you've done since you were 17 years old for a job and for your life and for routine and for everything is coming to an end. So it's quite, you know, it's quite, it's an emotional time as a footballer when you know that's around the corner for you. Um, and of course, you know, my last game was the last game of the season, that season against Rangers. Um, managed to get the kids on the pitch and have a walk around and actually I've still got really good footage of that, which, uh, you know, I, I really treasured as well. Yeah, we got a lovely kind of send off. Uh, you, you talk about, obviously, you and Gary Teal had signed on the same day. You had obviously we had a, a kind of fairly successful season in your in your first year by submarine terms. But, you know, kind of tell us a wee bit about the, the atmosphere around the team at the start of the, the cup winning season. Did it, did it feel like a special group? You know, there was obviously guys like Kenny McLean and, and John McGinn in there who were, you know, like head and shoulders above a lot of guys. We're a talented team. We're a talented team and we're a team of guys that all got on very well. Um, I think that what Danny and Tommy managed to do was to get a good um, blend through the team. We had young players, exciting, talented players. We had experienced players through the spine of the team. Um, we had a wee bit of pace as well. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the, we were optimistic that season that we would have a good season. I certainly wouldn't have said at the start of the season that we would have gone on and won the cup. Um, but looking at the Looking at that team, when you look back at it, I think uh, we should have done better in the league than we did. Um, I don't know whether the standard of the league was higher then. Maybe it was. 
Uh, but I do think that that squad was capable of of doing better things. Um, but would you have swapped finishing fifth in the league for the cup? I, I know I wouldn't have. I know I, I've had a rather that have been scrapping down there at ninth and tenth and taking the cup every week. But no, to answer your question, I don't think you don't uh, you don't really feel that something special has happened until you get to a semi-final, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, throughout the cup run, obviously, Ayr would expect it to win the game. We win it. Uh, the Hamilton game was a tricky one. Mirzo popping up with a, a goal. Was, I think it was, was the last minute, I think. Yeah. Um, and then we're up to Aberdeen. And I think at that point, everybody, you know, me as a pundit now, if you know, looking at the two teams back then, you'd have said, right, St. Marna Pitorje, they're not going through. But when you look at our run to get to the final and to win it, and you look at the teams that we had to beat, okay, the early rounds, fine, Hamilton and Air United, but to go to Pitorje and win, and then face Celtic and win, and then obviously beat Hearts in the final, I think it makes it all that wee bit more impressive. You know, it wasn't an easy route to win any uh, final. Um, but yeah, when you get to a semi-final, as a player, it clicks and you realise, right, we're at Hamden. We're one game away from the opportunity to kind of immortalise ourselves in the club's history. Uh, and that's when it gets exciting, it gets nervous, it gets uh, it becomes it becomes very real. And you feel like, I certainly felt a, a massive responsibility Um not to me, to my family, but to the supporters, to everybody that was around. We were going out and visiting schools and you just had this feeling that, you know, obviously that I'm talking about now when we reached the final year, um, you don't want to let anybody down. You just feel right. we've got to win this for yourself, of course, but um, you know that St. Martin aren't in finals often and don't win them often. So, the I, I remember feeling an, an enormous sense of uh, maybe responsibility is not the right word, but a weight a weight on my shoulders, if you like. Just before we get into the 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 semi final and, and the final of the games themselves, you've obviously worked for a, quite a varied list of of managers and on big stages and and smaller stages where. Does Danny Lennon and his kind of way of working stack up? I think we've all heard stories about some of these kind of slightly off the wall methods and, and the focus on the you know the psychological side of things. Was was that a fun side to, to play in? Was it you know a kind of a laugh that year? Do you think that helped? It was, yeah. I mean, um I think Danny and Tommy complemented each other quite well. Um the Danny was a good tactician. Um Tommy was very, he was old school, but he was a good coach. Tommy's best work was done on the training pitch with the boys. Um, and Danny was quite a good motivator. He had unique ways of motivating the players. Um, but we also had then at the time, uh, Austin was in, Austin McPhee, who in the lead up to the, the final was very good that week in terms of the video and analysis and the information that we were give, given on how Hearts were going to play, um, the individual players were playing against. There was a lot of work went into the week leading up to the cup final. We went up to St Andrews 
to the St Andrews Bay Hotel, which was really nice, and had a few days away, and um, just having that kind of time away to really focus on what was happening. But you know, whilst you're there, you're only you can only think of the final, and at that point in time, it's reaching kind of fever pitch. You know, it's everywhere you look. There's you can't escape it, and it takes a lot of mental strength to to kind of not get too caught up in it and too excited and just try and keep your focus very much on the preparation for the game, which clearly didn't work because for the first 20 minutes, we were... Wrong. We looked, <laughs> for the first looked nervous. But, I mean, the preparation was there, but, I mean, we, we didn't... We didn't... Um, we didn't start the game at all like we'd planned and I do Hearts missed one, maybe two reasonable chances when they were one nil up. I think if they'd scored at that point in time, we might not have recovered. Um and we scored at the perfect times uh, in the game. Yeah, right. just just to kind of obviously wind it back a wee bit, we'll go back and kinda of okay. talk about the, the semi final. Like I mean, the, the semi final had so many like it's got so many iconic moments in it. You know, obviously the, the picture of yourself kind of wheeling away, Sammy's save, yeah. Mulgrew, you know, I think, kind of, what, what did it feel like to, to score a goal like that? And obviously, because at that point, I mean, we had, no one was giving us a hope in hell, a plane, yeah, uh, going and beating Celtic that day. No, I, again, you know, much like the Aberdeen epitogy, when the draw came out, nobody, and nobody would have given us a hope of beating Celtic that day. And to score three goals against Celtic um, was... It's hard to explain it. For me, I've said to people before that that performance against Celtic was the best I've seen a St. Martin team play. And it had to be... Um, it was certainly the best performance I think I was involved in as a St. Martin player, a team performance. Yeah. Um I thought we were absolutely brilliant um, and we had to be. You're not going to beat Celtic in a semi-final without being brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a wee bit of luck, which you're always going to need. Um, but for me that day, that was, in my time at the club, certainly it was the best performance, I think, uh, that St. Mum had put on. I was, there's, um, there's one... Oh, sorry, Mark. Sorry, just sorry. I forget, there's, there's one guy that we kind of that you mentioned that's kind of synonymous with the semi-final he obviously he obviously get the opening goal and he's a... I think I, had you even met him before the game had he had he trained with the team or... just uh, very much in and thrown in um, which I think might have put a few people's noses out of joint you know if you were thinking you might be starting the final it was a big gamble um, Yzma was a good guy I mean he was he was a uh, it's trying to get him to understand quickly what it meant to to everybody else. Trying to get him to realise the enormity of what it meant this semi final and the final. And I remember the week leading up to the our training up at St Andrews, and right throughout that week, I was on his balls because I knew he'd been up top with me, sort of thing. I, like if he. Let's suggest he wasn't the, the best trainer in the world. And I'm saying to him, look, he's not, this means too much. Get your head in the zone, get your head in the right place. And I, right throughout that week, 
I was basically like he must have hated me because I was get I was like a school teacher. Um, but he was like he was like he was a sort of player who um he had he had moments of magic in him, and thankfully for us, he managed to produce a couple of those in the semi and in final. Um, not two of the hardest finishes he's ever had, but two, certainly I'd say two of the most important goals he's ever scored. And it was a gamble to put him in uh, straight off the bat, but uh, it's a gamble that paid off. Um, but yeah, I mean, my kind of resounding memory of Isma is just trying to just say to him, look, Isma, you know, this this matters more than you actually have any fucking idea. So just screw it up and do what you're told and run about like I'm. <laughs> And uh, and work your balls off. End of story. Uh, so no, thankfully it came good for Isma. I've not actually spoken to him since uh, since he left the club. So I know he's now at Wraith Rovers. I saw he scored the other week there. Right. Other well, um, and he's obviously been out in kind of Middle East and whatever else. He's had a decent career since he left. I'm earned a bit of money, and um, he'll always be fondly remembered by the St. Martin fans for. If for nothing, if for nothing else than scoring those goals, uh, very, very important goals. I was just going to ask. Um, you know, you're talking about trying to convey to Isma just what this means. I'm just curious. Uh, playing for your boyhood club, were the was the pressure different, or was the the feeling different? So obviously, you played at such a high level. Did you feel any any difference in the pressures you playing for your your boyhood club? Yeah, I did. I did. I remember having a conversation with Danny about this uh, when I was at the club because I think when I first joined, there was a period where I maybe went a couple of months and I, I can't remember. I wasn't scoring frequently. And I say that in my first three seasons, I scored 16 each season, but there was a spell where I hadn't been scoring as many and it, I was just kind of feeling a bit... I don't know. When you're playing for a bigger club, I know there's more expectation, there's more uh, pressure. But I felt that playing for Simon, mostly because a lot of the people in the crowd were people who I knew. Again, that responsibility thing, again, the having been a local boy and not wanting to let anybody down. Whereas when you're at a bigger club, it didn't seem as important to me to... I, I, I didn't have those feelings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it took me a wee couple of months when I joined the club just to kind of uh, get my head in the right place, if you like. Uh, but thankfully, I managed it. How did that bleed into the, the week of the of the final? I know, I know you're talking about telling Isma to screw them up, but we haven't ever worked with yourself as well about not getting too... To help uh, about the whole thing. I think if I'd been younger and I hadn't experienced, you know, I'd experienced cup finals, I'd experienced massive games, the playoff final at Wembley and international games, and I know the build up to have cup final. Um, obviously I played an FA Cup final with Cardiff. Unfortunately, we lost to Portsmouth, so I know all about the big build up to big games. Um, and I, I hopefully I was able to be of some help to some of the younger players and other people who hadn't experienced that throughout the build-up to the week. Um, but I was feeling a lot of pressure. I was. I remember you know, me saying after the game, it was cathartic how I felt. And that was basically just a release of 
uh, of those th the things that I've talked about the 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 pressure and the responsibility and the not wanting to let people down and to have won it after the game the biggest overriding thing I felt was obviously joy and it was amazing and but it was just like thank fuck because it was your one your one in a lifetime opportunity you're not getting that chance again um, certainly I wasn't so uh, massive amounts of relief but you know the week leading up to the cup final was well done by the management and the staff it was well put together um, and we went into that game fully prepared and ready and at that point in time there's nothing a manager can do it's about how the players um, respond to everything they've been told and how they deal with the pressures of playing in a final um, which can be it can be too much at times you know you don't know how a player's going to react but especially when you go 1-0 down early in the game and you're chasing it but um Thankfully, the, the, we kind of got to grips with it, and we ended up playing. We ended up playing quite well after, say, thirty minutes, forty minutes. We, I think we kind of found our level, and again, just started to believe that this was going to be our time. Um, and thankfully, it was. And obviously, the goal before the break was so important to to that belief. I assume it was. I. I mean, um, I think again, if I mean, it's all lifts and butts, but. If we hadn't scored at that point, it would have been a very different halftime team talk and a very different halftime feeling in the changing room because we're being given thinking, right, we've not played well here. What you know, we're behind, blah, blah, blah. Whereas we've been in thinking, right, it's flipped. We've now got the impetus, we've now got the energy. Cause they'd have gone in and gone, for fuck's sake, what a shit time to lose a goal. They'd have been thinking, ah, oh, you know, and obviously it was a great goal, actually. And I think uh I mean, you talk about me and Tilly. I got the ball in the halfway line, managed to turn, slipped Tilly in. And I think Tilly, if it had been a less experienced player, they might have gone on and tried to hit the shot themselves, maybe not scored. But Tilly had the vision and the experience to catch his out the corner of his eye and obviously squared it to him. Um, a really important time to score a goal, uh, as was my goal. You know, again, you talk about scoring goals at the right times. They always say just before halftime and just after halftime are really important times in a game because it really did swing the momentum our way and you could feel the energy on the pitch from the St Mirren supporters. Um, you know, all of a sudden they're thinking, right, this is it. You know, we can do this. And that supporters don't realise, but that their energy from the stands totally transcends onto the pitch and it, it either it can help players so much or it can debilitate them so much um, and we just we, we kind of caught the energy of the crowd I think after my goal went in uh, and then um, obviously Connell's goal you're thinking at that point in time you know we're going to do this we're going to actually do this I can still remember with that um, with the equaliser turning to, to my friends I was with and and just saying, I'm just glad I've seen a score in a final because I think I'd been so so excited, and then their their opening goal it was just it was just a gut punch because I think they started so so well, and I I'd almost got myself into that right. Well, we've kind of let this slip a wee bit, and then that goal just kind of raised it straight back up again. And but well, if nothing else, I've seen us put one in and in Hamden, and we'll see where it goes. But 
you know, as you say, you <laughs> to do that right before and then to do what we did right after is massive. It becomes a very different day in the space of about 20 minutes. Aye. 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 I think Oh, sorry, Tom, on you go. No, no, I was just saying that, that those two goals completely swung the momentum in our favour and Hearts then didn't recover, uh, you know, when they'd have been thinking five minutes before half-time, we're in total control here. So there, it was huge, the timing of the goals. Uh, you obviously, obviously kind of spoke about your goal. Danny said it was, it was written in the stars for you to score, like, the celebration's iconic, I think. I mean, I, I'm guessing the three years have got pictures of the celebration. I mean, I do. Uh, yeah, I think it's still my phone background, potentially. It's <laughs> <laughs> under my pillow in the bedroom. <laughs> like, I mean, the feeling of that must have been just like otherworldly, knowing that you had scored a goal in a cup final. Hard to explain. And again, uh, I only think of it when I see it. You know, if it pops up somewhere, or you know, it's um, it's uh, at the time you you know scoring a goal is the best feeling in the world. You know, it's such a good feeling. Uh, uh, to score in the semi final was amazing. It was just brilliant. Um, but leading into the game, I, I at that point in my career, I was quite big in visualization and. Um, using it as a tool to kind of almost create things before they've happened, which a lot of sports people do. Um, and I had envisaged myself scoring at the St. Mirren end and running to the fans over and over in my head. Um, and I do feel as though that that had some part to do with it. Maybe quite a big believer in fate as well. And, and I think for some reason or other I was meant to score that day um, I was really pleased with the goal as well it was well worked on the left hand side when when Dummy went to cross it, it it's, of all the goals I've scored in my career um, it's one that I scored quite regularly is being able to just check off a defender and get in front of him um, and it, it was along with headering the ball was one of the things I was good at <laughs> it was one of the things I was good at is finding that wee half yard and uh, in the box, um, I can't. I, I can't uh, put into words the feeling because you used the word otherworldly. It, it it happened almost as if it, it wasn't me that was doing it. If you like, it just I can't. Uh, I can't put it into words. Uh, but obviously, just the the, the feeling. Of scoring in a final um, for your boyhood heroes, uh, I think you could all imagine. Just you know, imagine it yourself. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it justice. I don't think by trying to put it into words. It's just a one of those magical moments that you're incredibly fortunate to be able to have uh, experienced, and not a lot of people get to experience it. And I'm I, I look back with an awful lot of. Um, gratitude for the fact that I was able to do that um, I have such a kind of a moment that even now people in the street or St Mirren fans are, will still talk to me about that moment and it'll still be talked about by supporters like Ian Ferguson's goal was 30 years on so to have that um, 
to have that beside my name as a St Mirren player, uh, it's just, it's off the scale. It's just, it's kind of, that's why I don't think about it too often because it's not worth thinking about. It's better just having it. <laughs> <laughs> you remind, it reminds you of it every now and again and you can smile and just think, ah, you lucky bastard. <laughs> just good to get three dicks getting you on Zoom to talk about it every, every 10 years. So. Um, um, do you know I'm actually thinking, I, I, I probably... Uh, I probably haven't talked about it, really. Uh, you know, pro- I did press after the match or whatever, or, you know, in the, in the days after, but I, I honestly, I don't think I've gone, spoken to people in any detail about it greatly because, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Just keep, keep it for myself, my wee moment. I think so, uh, Sam mentioned your celebration there, and I think... There's such a difference between that and then the, the third goal that I'm, I'm just going to come on to. But your celebration for that second goal, it's a fan celebration. It's a, it's almost as if a, holy fuck, did that just happen? Kind of like, you can tell that's not a pre-planned, like, no. TikTok celebration. Like that's <laughs> someone who's just gone, I can't actually believe I'm the one that's just done that. And as a, and as a fan in the stands, it, it felt exactly the same. as I can't believe we've just gone 2-1 up, having, having had the first half that we've had. Yeah, the the third goal is totally different. The third goal, I think, is when certainly for me, and I'd imagine for the majority of everyone else, the third goal was when I actually, for the first time, thought in my head, this might actually be ours. I think we've actually done this year, and it's a totally different celebration at, at that point. How did that feel on the pitch? It felt brilliant because at two one, uh, you're you're never two one. The other team's always in the game, and we knew. Hearts would throw everything at trying to come back at us, and they did. But at two one, you're never safe ever, ever, ever in a game. Um, so for the third goal to go in, it it gave us a bit of breathing space. It gave us a cushion. It gave us uh, the ability to relax a bit on the pitch. Um, and it was a brilliant goal. It was an absolutely brilliant goal. The layoff and the finish uh, from corner. Uh, you know, what a goal to win a cup final. Uh, it really was spectacular. And Connor's such a lovely boy, and I was delighted for him. Uh, but we, at that point in time, I was thinking to myself, right, we can only fuck this up now. <laughs> um, but I never at any point, even when I came off, and there's a good story about me coming off, because Sam Parkin had said to me, he'd said, Tomo, I need to get on this pitch. I need to go, I need to play in a cup final. Uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I said to him, right, I tell you what, uh, see how I'm feeling, but there's every chance I'll not fling one in, but I'll I'll make sure you come on for me at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I was ready to come off, and it was probably right that Danny took me off at that stage anyway, because I'd given. I think when you when you're playing physically, you give everything, but mentally, a final will. Fuck your legs like nothing else, mm-hmm. um. Because just think how much of the concentration and nervous tension, the amount of energy that's coming out of your body, not just physically, is immense. So I was gubbed at that point anyway. And luckily, uh, Big Sammy went on and um, we managed to hold on. But even when I was off at the side of the pitch, I wasn't looking on, going. Oh no, you know, I've I felt totally felt at the side of the pitch 
you know, don't worry, we've got this. It's we're gonna we're gonna see it out. Um which is what we did. And obviously then it was just the next kind of half an hour I really tried to absorb because having been in the situation where I've won trophies before and um you're on the pitch and you know, obviously celebrating with the fans and soaking it all in. I remember after it, weeks after, years after, looking back and only having a slight when you've been absolutely out of it and a night out and you wake up the next day and you've got these wee snippets and then you start to get the fear. Um, but that's how I felt about the first, the, some of the other things I'd done in my career where I'd won and not totally, maybe because I was younger. So I made sure that I soaked up every single second that I could into my memory. Uh, and I can picture it now, um, being on that pitch with the guys and looking up to the supporters. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen all the photos from you guys looking down at us. I can tell you right now, from where we are, we are looking up was 10 times better. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and then obviously to get my kids onto the pitch was uh, brilliant. It was just such an amazing feeling. Um, and obviously my young boy Struan's now in the St Mirren's Academy. So he's hopefully going to be a St Mirren player one day. Um, so it's it's lovely for me to look at him now playing football for the club. I'm sure I'm, I speak for the three of us when I say I was in pieces. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the end of that, and I can remember um, you having kids up on the stage. I think Jim's kids, maybe. Yeah, these kids on the stand. Did Vansy? Yeah, right? I think all the guys that could have got their kids on managed to get them on. Um, which uh, it's just a lovely feeling, and to be able to celebrate it with your family. Um, because again, these things don't happen often in a football career, and you've got to just take in every moment and enjoy it and uh, that's what we did uh, up until about the time we got on the bus and the beer started flowing and yeah of course then it's, it's back to Paisley and the best few weeks of a lot of our drinking lives I imagine can you, do you have any stories or do you do you remember I, much at all <laughs> stories I mean I think uh, the first thing coming back in the bus the open top bus and pulling into the, the square was just phenomenal to see the fans were you guys there did you go back to that yeah. aye yeah. I had school the next day though and I was 14 <laughs> years old so I... <laughs> aye well I mean, that, that'll live long in the memory as well going back and and looking out uh, over the screen and that's when you realised also just how much it meant to the, the the town and to the people in the town for all these people to be out and just seeing so many happy happy people absolutely buzzing because of something that you as a team had achieved it gives you a great sense of satisfaction that to see everybody so pleased um so i mean that was amazing and then we went to the the glenhill yeah yeah uh and we had uh we had a really good night it was amazing um a brilliant night and then the next morning the kids were up to go to school and my missus took them and then just about that was just before they left for school let's say quarter to nine Vansy phones me and he says what's happening 
I said, I don't know. He said, uh, right, I'm getting a taxi. He was living in Erskine at the time. He says, I'm getting a taxi to your house and we're getting straight on it in Paisley. And it's <laughs> a tremendous plan. So he was at the house, like him and I were sitting in this kitchen table here drinking Bud like, half nine the morning <laughs> after. <laughs> and then we went into Paisley. Um, I can't remember what was the name of the pub we went into. Anyway, we went in and it was still, it, was, it must have been quarter to 11 or something and there was a, a lady who was obviously cleaning up from the night before or something and she was like oh, we're not open almost trying to tell us to boat and by this point in time we'd contacted everybody in, in the team and were like right, get to- <clears throat> we're getting on it uh, <laughs> like oh right it's you guys in you come so she- <laughs> and then in dribs and drabs the rest of the team started arriving and we had a brilliant you know day um just going up and down the pubs and paisley and celebrating with the fans and that that all lived with me for a long time as well because you just see so many people so emotional and so happy and uh would that have been a monday morning as well it would have been, it would have been yeah yeah missing their work that's what there was as well. <laughs> you were talking about the you know the difference between us looking down from the stands and you looking up at the stands on the pitch let me give you the opposite perspective to your monday morning i'd uh i'd been on a three-dayer before the final oh, i'd God. been on a, a work thing on the friday which turned into a terrible hangover into a family thing on the saturday and i had uh, to get scraped and poured into my seat at the final oh um, and then we end up in town as everyone does I think I'm, I'm, the, I'm. I end up in every pub in New Street on the, on the Sunday night, and eventually again, and I've got work starting at eleven o'clock on the Monday. Oh, so I make I make it to my work. <laughs> I, I did the shifts that had like two hour crossover with this other guy at the time, and he'd been in doing the early shift, and he's a big Celtic fan, and uh, I don't think he expected to see me on the Monday, but I made it in, and yeah. I sat down, and I, do you know, I was grey, I was an, <laughs> an unholy shade. <laughs> and uh, I had my phone sitting next to me and uh, Pete, um, the, the guy I worked with, was like, just you put your head down in the corner, son, and I'll take care of this and then I'll, I'll wake you up if you need to do anything. And at that moment, my phone went and it was one of my mates and he went, here, Homo's in the fucking boot. <laughs> Get yourself down. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> if I'd phoned in sick for work, I'd have been there. Because I I made it in, so I just had to sit and get texts for the next eight hours of my life about how everyone in Paisley was having the best Monday of their entire lives, and I was at Silverburn. See, I made it to uni the following Monday morning, but was promptly asked to leave because of the state (laughs) I was in. I was still my football top, I was swinging my scarf in my head, it was the the highlights of my phone, it was uh, was, was brown, I think just uh, that. The point is, it doesn't happen often. Um, That's it, yeah. So when it does, you've got to make the most of it. Yeah, there were rumours that we kicked on for days on end. We didn't. That was it. It was that day. It was the Sunday night and the Monday, and then that was us because uh, we obviously had a game the following weekend. So we were in the we were in the Wednesday. Uh, we would have been. I think we were off, off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I think we might have been Daniel no better. Uh, would have been a bag of washing in the Wednesday, but then <laughs> obviously just trying to kind of get ourselves ready. I mean, that's the thing in football, it doesn't stop. So uh, you enjoy the moments and then very quickly you've got to get back on the horse. One of the, the other boys, Craig, off the, the podcast has a, a memory of the Monday as well. Of um, it, it described you as maybe the drunkest man he'd ever seen still standing up. 
Um, and he, he worked up the confidence to go over and to ask you to sign his arm. <laughs> he rolled his sleeve up and had the world's shitest 1877 tattoo in his arm, which I think you shredded him for. <laughs> <and then signed. laughs> which he says he's not washed in 10 years. When it comes to the, the afternoon that day, I can remember there was uh, tables, there was scarves, programmes, arms, tits, you name it. So <laughs> that was all Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things getting signed, but no, I mean an incredible, uh, incredible couple of days, and you've got you've got to make the most of it. You know, as I said, it doesn't happen often, so you've got to absolutely milk it for everything it's worth. Were you part of the crowd that made it into Vienna's? No, I didn't get in, uh, or I either in or I couldn't get in either one of the. Uh, so no, I didn't make it there, which is probably a good thing. I know, hundred percent. It's the worst place on the planet. Right. <laughs> no, I mean it was an amazing time, and the squad of boys themselves. I, the club are talking about doing something maybe this October to celebrate the ten years. Uh, I don't know why October, but that's what they're talking about. Um, so it'd be brilliant to see as many of them again. I'm still obviously in touch with quite a lot of the guys, but obviously. There's a lot that I haven't seen and haven't been in touch with since. So uh, it would be amazing if we did all manage to get together because it was a when you win something with a a a, a team, it creates a really special bond between you all um, and something that you remember for the rest of your your life. So uh, I recently went down to, uh, or I say recently, a couple of years ago, went down to Burnley, and they did a thing. For, for 10 years on from when we got promoted to the Premier League uh, and it was amazing to see all the guys and uh, you know it was as if we hadn't you know been apart for 10 years so it'd be great to catch up with everybody again as I said you've got this kind of bond with them that you've you've achieved something together that not very many people people get the opportunity to do and achieve together so uh, it'll be great to catch up with them Is there any truth to the Rumour that come around December this year, Isma's going to have to skip about 15 10th birthday parties. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I've no, I, I'm not willing to comment on that. But I, <laughs> I have no idea. I've uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the Viennese was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there if that's what was going on. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, he's a good lad. He's my so hopefully he can make it to the to the ten year anniversary as well as many as of the boys that can. It just depends when the likes of John and Kenny's and people that at games are on and things. Yeah, so. uh, but I'm still in touch with the, the with those two anyway. So send them messages every now and again and get a bit of banter. Um, and obviously I'm still in touch with the likes of Goody and Mayo's Vanzi and Cheesy and Sammy and. Uh, lots of other ones. So, uh, you know, it was a, it was a unique time and, a, and an amazing time. And I'm just as a, again so grateful to have been part of it. Um, to be able to have written my name in the club's history is just uh, it's just you know a dream for me. Aye, you'd obviously kind of said I think you'd said it earlier. Obviously, the the end to your end to your career, you'd obviously maybe think about you should have retired. A wee bit before you did, but 
you know, what was the, the kind of decision not to not to go into the coaching side of things? Because I think most of us would have just assumed that like Tomo would have been a St. Mirren manager. Um well, purely because the the media thing opened up yeah. with BBC, and uh, I enjoyed it, and it was going well, uh, and it snowballed and progressed, and uh, you know I'm really fortunate now that I'm in a position where I'm I'm doing a job that I really enjoy, and uh, with people that I really enjoy, coming out of football and starting a new career is daunting and difficult. Uh, because it's all you've done for 20 years and it's all you know. So I think a lot of players struggle coming out of finishing football to try and find something for themselves and something that they enjoy. But I've been very fortunate to be able to do that and obviously now presenting as well. I, I love it and it keeps me you know, on my toes and keeps me focused and, and stuff. Football management, I did my coaching badges exactly the same time as Merzo and uh, Goody and Tilly. Uh, but I think unless you actively look to keep doing it and find avenues for yourself to be involved, then, you know, it's just going to drift and that's what happened with it. Uh, but I'm pleased that I didn't, you know, I'm pleased that I went down the path I went down because I really enjoy the the media stuff. Um, and, you know, having, you know, the likes of, you know, Jim, you know, you just got to feel sorry, so sorry for him the way things have gone in the last uh, month or so. Uh, and it just shows you how volatile being a, a football manager is. One minute you're the hero, the next year a zero, and there's no real security to the job. And it's very, very difficult and a kind of uncertain uh, career path. So I'm pleased that I managed to uh, do what I'm doing now. Do you think it would be harder if you'd gone into management to manage a personality like Michael Stewart or to try and marshal him in a sports scene studio? What's the what's the tougher gig? You don't marshal Mikey. Mikey does what he wants. And you learn, <laughs> you learn just to let him do that. Um, no, I mean, I got on great with Mikey. Uh, you know, he, he divides opinion, but I think that's, I think that's good because it, I think Mikey is a pundit uh, is very strong and he never shirks anything and when somebody's given strong opinions some people will like it some people won't I'd rather that as as a pundit working with than somebody that didn't give opinion because that's what you're there for is to give opinion and debate and uh, aye Mikey he's he's good he's he's never wrong so you can't win in an outcome so you've just <laughs> He would never give up. He would rather, you know, take a crossbow in the head. So you'd basically just keep going. And if you keep going, you've not got enough time in telly for that. So you've got to just let him, just let him go, do his thing. He keeps his receipts. You know what I mean? I think if he if he says something, he'll back it up. He doesn't oh, just throw. He doesn't do the talk sport thing where he just like throws something out and lets, you know, and lets the folk argue about it in the, the Twitter comments. If he says something, it tends to be because he's got. Smart Ten guy. reasons that he's going to tell you. Yeah, I, I like that in a pundit as guy. opposed to. He's a clever guy, uh, and if you get in an argument with him, you better have lots of material material ready <laughs> uh, argument because he will have on his side. Believe me. But anyway, no, he's good, Mike. He's brilliant. Well, I think uh, we've arrived. We've arrived at the present day. Tom, I really, really appreciate you coming on to to share some. Some memories and insight with us. I think uh, I know you said you, you don't talk about it that much. This is probably the 
single thing that I've talked about most for the last 10 years. So to get a bit <laughs> of the inside tracks, a very welcome thing. So uh, thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Guys, my pleasure coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's not it's not something that I've spoken about uh, in any great detail since the final, probably. So it's nice to kind of bring back some memories. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that when I get together with the rest of the guys that we can all share... Uh, hopefully the club do it a night where we can all share our memories maybe on stage and look at different parts of the game and we can all kind of throw our memories together and uh, it's nice to be able to look back on things that you've achieved uh, in your career and as I said before this is uh, definitely the most special um, achievement in my career so um, uh, yeah absolute privilege to, to have done it and thanks for having me on and let's just hope St Mirren can finish the season top six. You never know. Cup. See, how it goes. see you in Europe next season. Oh, no. oh, fuck, I'll finish top six or win a, a, a cup. That's the question. Mind you, I don't know. Uh, it'd be nice to do both one year, wouldn't it? Be all right, aye. But I don't think my lover could handle the, the celebrations for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't have a job like I did anymore where I can roll in like an empty track eh, on a on a Monday morning. So that may be that hard, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, thanks very much, guys. Cheers, yeah, Tom. Cheers. Thanks, thanks Tom. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.